Welcome to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Scott of Denver Seminary. What are the challenges we face in today's church and culture in a postmodern, post-Christian era? Dr. Haley believes that in addressing those issues, the church must adopt a missional mindset. Christianity does hold the answers to the big questions of today's culture. Let's join Dr. Haley for today's edition of Christian Curious. Of the 7.6 billion people on earth, 49% of them have a social media account. In America, 79% of people have a social media account. Social media is an effective way to communicate across distances, connect with people who have similar interests, and stay on top of breaking news. However, social media can have a dark side, including cyberbullying, online quote-unquote witch hunts, fake news, and the increased polarization among users. So how can Christians learn to utilize the power of social media to demonstrate and share the gospel? This is Christian Curious with Haley Gray Scott and my co-host Hannah Greaser. On this show, we focus on some of the most important issues related to culture and Christianity. Hannah, I've always been a really cautious, uh, intermittent social um, media user for several reasons, reasons usually because I'm pretty sensitive to that dark side. Um, and it often feels like I'm like shouting my opinion in a crowded room and like who wants one more voice shouting? Um, and I know that you work with a lot of social media companies and stuff like that, or you run their social media accounts, but how do you do social media in your personal life? How do you feel about it? I feel like it's, it's hard, especially, you know, I love to write and I started a blog and it's, it always does feel like you're kind of shouting your opinion in a crowded room, Mm -hmm. not knowing if, does anybody want to read this? Is this just more for me? And you kind of just don't want to I feel like I don't want to force my presence on people on social media, you know? Right. Um, I feel that way too. But at the same time, I know it's a source of influence and you want to influence for the kingdom and all of that kind of stuff. So it, it does get confusing. <laughs> it is kind of confusing to learn how to, to manage that and how to think about it. But, you know, there's one person that that I know who is like, I consider the master of social media. And she, I admire her for so many reasons, but especially her ability to effectively use social media as a tool to, to further deep conversations about faith. And despite major pushback over the years, um, she's just incredibly gracious in her interactions with people um, all over social media. Her name's uh, Karen Swallow Pryor. She is uh, a research professor of English and Christianity and culture at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. She's the author of Booked, Literature in the Soul of Me, Fierce Convictions, and on Reading Well, Finding the Good Life Through the Great Books. Her writing has appeared at Christianity Today, The Atlantic, The Washington Post, First Things, Vox, Relevant, Think Christian, and many other places. Karen, welcome to Christian Curious. Hello, it's great to be with you. Well, we're really glad to have you here because I just think that you're an expert in this area where as, you know, sometimes, you know, I can be pretty shy online and I just love to get the input that you have and your perspective on how you approach social media. So my first question is, in addition to your work as a professor and your very prolific writing career and speaking engagements, um, you're really involved in social media. And so with with such a busy and diverse schedule, um, why do you believe it's important to remain involved in conversations on social media? 
Well, that's a question I ask myself every day. (laughs) I guess we can ask it together here. Um, I think it helps to know that um, just a little bit about the way that I use social media or have in the past. I first got on Facebook and then Twitter um, really to extend my classroom. Um, When Facebook first came out, it was only for college students or those who had an EDU email. And I got on in order to just basically to to continue the kinds of conversations that I was having in the classroom to post articles and host discussions. And that's what it was for me for a long time. It it sort of continues to be that. But, of course, like everything else, it's much more complicated because now everyone is on Facebook. And it's not just, a you know, for me, it's not just one main audience of my students. Now it's people across the world of different beliefs and ideologies and religions and even when I got on Twitter which I confess I did not understand or like at first (laughs) um, I was mainly just sharing articles and I continue to find it an excellent resource for research Um, you know I, I just I follow people that are interested in the same things that I'm interested in and they often tweet articles um it's gotten a lot messier in terms of all of the hot takes and the snark and the insults and so like everything else as I said it's gotten more complicated but that remains the foundation of my use is really sharing information sharing articles quick links because I'm I'm a reader and and as a writer I I do research and um, these are ways to kind of quickly get at the things that are on the surface of the culture um, but I would I would add that it's become over the years not just a source of information but really a formational experience. And I think for the most part, the formative qualities of social media are having a negative effect. Um, and so that's something I'm sort of wrestling with and trying to counteract in the way I use social media. Um, can you expand a little bit on that formative quality of social media and, you know, how it's causing you to um, reflect on, on your own use on social media? Yeah. I mean, there, you know, uh, one of the things that I that I teach in pretty much all of my classes, I teach literature, but I also teach some theory and some culture. And it's the idea that comes from the, the 20th century communications theorist Marshall McLuhan he popularized the idea that the medium is the message. Uh, This is something also that Neil Postman writes about in his excellent book, Amusing Ourselves, where, you know, the information that we get is actually changed through the form um, or through the medium. We also, our perception and that we get and the ideas that we get are changed through the medium. So when we have a medium like Twitter which is designed to be short and brief and also easily replicated by being retweeted or liked and can go viral, um, then it's easy for short decontextualized pieces of information to spread and also, of course, as we unfortunately know too well, for um, misinformation to spread. And that combined with the way that a lot of researchers have documented that there are built-in components of these systems designed to elicit you know, physiological responses from yes. us that make using more addictive. 
um, we really are being formed by these media. And I think when we look back in 50 or 100 years, we will, we will be less naive and we will wonder how we could have used these forms without some sort of precautions, like, you know, in the same way that we now use seatbelts to ride around in cars. Right. You know, there's so many different elements to the, the formative aspect, you know, as far as, you know, it's an impact on our thinking, um, how well and how deep we think through a situation. Mm-hmm. It, it, it can For empaths, it can Im- impact emotion, just scrolling through all the various posts and things like that and picking up on the, the energy of the people and then just the way that we read and our attention to be able to sit down and read in long takes. It's just so, there's so many different ways it's forming us. I I completely agree, but I've never really thought about the formative aspects of social media before. Yeah, I love, I love the mindfulness that you bring to this as a whole, not only looking at how we're looking at it now, but how, you know, in 50 years, what we might think of is still relatively new field that we're in. Um, and something I've been thinking about, you know, with different, um, companies or influencers, they talk about with social media, how you need to batch plan out your post and there's so much that goes into it. But, um, you know, I really love kind of the organic feel of your Twitter, how you'll share things that are just, you know, funny or scriptural or, relevant to the news and I'm wondering how if you think it's possible to be influential on social media without it you know taking a ton of time like taking up so much of your brain space like how do you navigate those boundaries well that is something that I am you know continuing to figure out how to navigate and part of that is just because because as my platform on Twitter has grown, the demands of Twitter grow, and I need to adjust accordingly, and that's not easy to do. Uh, I am not someone who uses um, social media in a planned or professional way. It is completely organic. I, um, I just, you know, tweet as I see something or as I want to respond or share something. I don't even know how to schedule tweets, which apparently <laughs> is something that you can do. Yes. <laughs> um, I don't even want to know. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, it is, I, I treat it really like a human conversation. And so that means, you know, if I enter the room, if Twitter, you know, if Twitter is a room and I enter in and I see a conversation going on and I want to join in, I join in. If I, if I see something that I, I'm like, well, I'm going to go to the next room, <laughs> 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 then, then I do that. Uh, and, uh, so I just, I just, you know, I think Twitter exists to serve me, not the other way around. Um, I, although I know that, you know, that I have to be, we all have to be careful because of those, those built-in things designed to make us engage more. Um, but for me, my use is just, is completely organic. And I, I do need to be more intentional about engaging less, I think, because, because I always treated it as my classroom. Mm-hmm. As I explained before, I've always felt a sense of obligation of responding to everyone who interacts the same way that I would in the classroom. If someone raised their hand, I would never ignore someone. And I, you know, I can't treat Twitter that way anymore um, no. because I, I can't respond to everyone. But it's actually hard because the teacher in me just, um, that's just a part of what it means to be a teacher is to um, not ignore anyone. And so that's the tension that I'm 
you know, currently struggling with. I can imagine because you have a lot of followers on Twitter and combining that with your teacher personality would would be very cause a lot of tension and feel like a lot of burden and responsibility like my gosh I really want to take care of everybody but I can't physically possibly do this that's exactly right um in a recent article the wall street journal um reported that mathematicians political scientists and sociologists are concerned about the growing body of research that de- that indicates that the polarization that we see in America is um, is accelerated by social media. And over the years, I know that you've been in a lot of um, contentious dialogues over, you know, our national identity, over Christianity in America, over culture, various cultural issues. And I'd love to hear um, you share with our audience just exactly how do you maintain a constructive dialogue when, you know, Twitter and Facebook, you know, they're not given to long-term in-depth discussions, but you seem to most often uh, be able to maintain that constructive dialogue and be that voice of reason within something that might be more contentious. Well, again, I think it goes back to what I believe about the formative qualities of the medium um, and, and, and the reason why I stay engaged. I mean, in terms of a Christian being a Christian, I think social media is a, a, a mission field. But even in terms of just being like an American citizen, um, where so much is happening on Twitter, so much of what's shaping our country is happening in those spaces, um, you know, I, I want to be present and um, an influence in whatever way that I can because, as you pointed out from these articles, um, social media is contributing greatly, and it almost, I think, singularly to the polarization that is taking place in our country. And so to just abandon um, those forces, uh, I think, uh, is irresponsible, at least for, for me. It's not for everyone. Um, and so I, I think just simply modeling a different approach, modeling a moderating dialogical approach, um, not only with the person that I might be responding to, which is important, but for every time I'm responding to a person, there are you know, literally hundreds, if not thousands of people who are watching that exchange. And so they may not be saying anything, but they can watch the way a conversation can unfold and the way that ideas can be exchanged in a civil way. Um, and I've received enough private messages over the years, um, or even public ones, uh, from people who have watched this and who say that it has influenced them, that I feel like it is a valuable contribution that I can make to civil discourse. You know, there's two things that, you know, occur to me is number one, you know, you you demonstrate just a Christ-like presence on social media, and you've been able to do that. You know, without in uh, always watching what you what you say and how you say it, um, it's just really inspiring to watch. And second, I imagine that you know your training as an English professor has probably really um, suited you out to be able to do this. To you know to think critically about dialogue, to think critically about you know how to word responses in ways that aren't going to you know inflame anyone. 
Well, I think that that background has helped me a great deal. It, it's not without risk. I mean, I've certainly made bad tweets and gotten into trouble uh, <laughs> for wording something in a way that would have been could have been put better. So um, it there certainly is a risk, and there's even for me, it's not just a personal risk, but it's a professional risk because I have institutional affiliations and have accountability to those institutions and structures. Um, even in the past week, there was, you know, a mini controversy over a tweet that I sent out that got people riled up after a right-wing um, publication picked it up and wrote a story about my tweet, which is, you know, another weird thing about the times that we live in and mm-hmm. these articles get written about tweets. Um, so it, it is something that, you know, is increasingly, as a platform grows, then the, the power for good and for harm grows. And so um, I'm constantly, um, you know, recognizing on a daily basis um, what my what my responsibility is and how I can use this platform the best, uh, because what it is today isn't what it was a year ago or five years ago. Mm. I, I would love to press into that a little more about how you deal with negative feedback or um, I don't know if you have any any stories you'd like to share about a time you had to address something that was maybe a little uncomfortable. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that I, um, yeah, I've had a lot of those stories. I mean, one small thing, I have just recently discovered something called a quality filter, and I turned that on, and I found, <laughs> um, just, you know, there are a lot of uh, anonymous accounts and bot accounts that, you know, that can take up unnecessary time and attention. Um, but I would say I, there's actually a, a, um, a valued friendship that I have today because about five or six years ago, when I was being misrepresented on blogs and social media, there was a person who, who was pushing back and making, asking me questions, and I was answering the questions. And just by being honest and answering the questions, um, this person who genuinely does want to know the truth and is a person of, of goodwill, um, accepted my answers and we explored further um now there are people out there and that's i think that's part of the trick is to distinguish those who are really really do want to know and understand which is i think most people but then there are those who are really out to build their platform and to gain points with their tribe um and i used to engage with those people more, but I realize that I don't want to empower them. So it, it really can be a tough call, and I think my guiding principle is kind of to err on the size of charity and grace, at least at first, um, but then step back when it becomes clear that I'm just contributing to their sort of destructive, um, you know, their destructive energy or, or, or efforts, even if they don't, even if they don't know it, I, I have seen people who have, who have succumbed to this kind of spiral on social media and become more negative and more destructive, again, because I think that's how the form is working on them. And so even if they're not conscious um, participants in this, in this spiral, I don't want to enable it. So it's very tricky, as you can, can see. Um, and so this is something that I have to have to think about in almost every interaction um in the same way that i have to think about the way i teach in a classroom um and you know the way that i you have to navigate you know 
being demanding but and hard but not too hard and to know which students to extend grace to and which ones are just kind of trying to to get all they can get from you hmm. it's really a little picture of her big picture of human life <laughs> you know i I really like that distinction that you make that, you know, there are some people who provide negative feedback who are really seeking answers. And, you know, just like in the classroom, whenever you may have a student that might push back, it's worthwhile to invest, to explain and to take that extra step with them um, and, and not take it personal, but just walk with them through their criticism and, you know, engage in a constructive dialogue with them and then also know, okay, this is a this is really not a battle that I need to fight. These people have a given agenda or these people I'm just feeding into what they want me to to they're just cr- into their criticism. And so that distinction of who to help and who to not and that discernment level that is needed is is really um an important thing to think about and one that I've not really put a lot of thought to. Have you, Hannah? You know, I think just the the minimal following (laughs) that I have in my people pleasing, I have not had a ton of negative feedback. Um, But I do think just thinking about social media as I'm entering into a room and not disassociating almost um, is really, you know, something to be mindful about. Like to, that we are inter- entering in a conversation um, because I do think that a lot of people um, view social media as a tool for self-promotion. Like, what can I get out of this? Who can I um, influence? And I'm curious, you know, like as a Christian, how can we use social media and leverage it to promote Jesus in a Christian worldview instead of ourselves? Like, have you experienced that tension of self-promotion and also you know, um, promoting Christ? Yeah, that's a, that is a really good question, because obviously these platforms are used a great deal for self-promotion. And um, for me, I think it, it goes back to, again, when I've been on social media for so long that, that I was not getting on to promote myself or my work. I was getting on to do what I do in the classroom, and my my initial, my first Twitter handle, before I just changed it to my name, K.S. Pryor, um, was Love Life Lit God, and that came I remember that. My, yeah, my, I, I actually, in the classroom, I would tell my students each semester that my primary learning outcome or course objective for them was to leave my classroom loving life, literature, and God more. And so I wanted to have to help them do that in my teaching and to model it in my own life. And so for me, that has always been my platform. I want my life and my work to draw people to God and to help them to love life more. And of course, I'm an English professor. I want them to love literature more. And so everything that I promote, I hope, <laughs> is um, oriented toward that goal. And so that does include things that I write um, and publish because that's why I'm writing and publishing. But it also includes a, more things that other people write and publish and say. Um, and so I want to use, so I just want to promote all of those things um, and not just myself. 
Yeah. So the difference is, is you're not promoting your work as much as your contributions on social media are kind of flowing out of your calling as a as a teacher and falling and uh, flowing out of who you are as a Christian. Exactly. And I, I realize now that a lot of people who want to write and publish, you know, they're told that they need to have a platform. So they, you know, a certain number of Twitter followers, um, they just, you know, have to fulfill that sort of obligation. And I understand that. Um, but that's a little bit like getting the cart before the horse, because mm-hmm. our real platform has to be the work that we're doing in our lives, whatever that might be. It's our work that proves ourselves. Um, and our platform will, will ultimately come from that. And if we get it backwards, then all we are is an empty platform. And I, I think, you know, if you spend any time on Twitter, you see those accounts. You see these people that you never heard of who are, you know, are have 150,000 followers. And, like, and you know, you can even buy followers, which is hmm. ridiculous. I can't even imagine that. Um, and, and that's just, you know, that's a, a platform that is built on sand. Um, and so it's really about doing the actual work in your life. Um, that's your platform. And then they, then your numbers will, will show that. I think that's a really wonderful, you know, insight is to first focus on the calling of the work that God has actually put in your real life mm-hmm. and then let that flow out into social media. I think that's a really important distinction for you know, a lot of uh, people who are starting social media, media who may be on social media, and um, a really good principle for for everyone to follow. You know, Karen, thank you so much for being on Christian Curious today. I, like I said, I am a big fan of how you use social media. I am so shy online, um, and so I really admire just your boldness and you know for Christ and just the spirit with which you communicate with so many different people. It's, it's really inspiring. So thank you so much for like talking with us about that today. Well, it was an honor and I hope that it's inspiring to people. I'm sure it will be. And thank you listeners for listening to find out more about us. Log on to our new website at christiancurious.co. That's christiancurious.co. And there you can find links to our podcast and all of our previous episodes. If you have any questions about God, Christianity, culture that you're interested in but have never really found an answer to, shout out to us at Haley at ChristianCurious.co. That's H-A-L-E-E at ChristianCurious.co or Hannah at H-A-N-N-A-H at ChristianCurious.co. Stay curious. Thank you for listening to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley. You can contact her with your comments or questions about today's show at her email, drhaley at christiancurious.org. That's D-R-H-A-L-E-E at christiancurious.org. You may also learn more by visiting the Christian Curious website, christiancurious.org. Join Dr. Haley again next week for Christian Curious on AM 670 KLTT.